Theme for the primetime players there. The better theme. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah. So um, we wanted to jump into Del Rio and Christian. Uh, you made a comment on our Facebook page at Guys Nation Wrestling. They had a repeat match after SummerSlam on SmackDown. Yeah, I don't know about anybody else, but uh, it drives me nuts. I mean, so we had SummerSlam. We built up to Del Rio versus Christian. Um, some people were interested in it. Some people were like, okay, yeah, I might not go to the bathroom during it. Ended up being a really good match. I was saying maybe it didn't steal the pay-per-view, but it was certainly one of the highlights of the year so far for me. I mean, yeah, okay, maybe it's not as good as uh, you know Punk Lesnar or Daniel Bryan versus John Cena, but it probably makes my top ten of the year in terms of matches that I enjoyed watching. So we had that. We had Christian lose by tap out. And then I don't begrudge Christian one more match, right? <laughs> but why does it have to be another match in the same week? Right. It's not even it's not even a week later. So why do we pay for SummerSlam why do we care about the outcome of SummerSlam if they're just going to have the same damn match happen that same week? Yeah. And and it's one of the reasons it's so bad is because it's the World Heavyweight title, right? Right. I mean, if you're going to repeat a lower card match, you know, it's not really that big of a deal because you didn't buy the pay-per-view for that. But, you know, supposedly this is an important belt and people potentially would have been buying a pay-per-view to watch Defended, and they repeat the match. Yeah, and it's one thing if on SummerSlam it ends in a dusty finish, right? If if there's something where Christian has a legit gripe where he should have won, but he didn't. Yeah. There, It's, you know, that's not the case from SummerSlam. SummerSlam, Christian hit a spear, hurt his own arm, and then he couldn't finish the match because his arm hurt so bad that Del Rio just locked in the move and he tapped out. But he did most of the damage to himself right there at the end. Yeah. So he, I don't feel like he had a legit gripe to need a rematch. And so, okay, maybe they want to have a rematch for a different reason, right? The thing that bugs me about what we saw on SmackDown is that you got the pretty much the exact same finish with Christian tapping out to Del Rio. Or, you know, okay, I guess there's a small chance that I'm remembering it incorrectly and Christian lost by pinfall, but I, I don't I don't think that was the case. No, he ran into the ring post and then, then and he put then, him in the cross arm breaker again. Right. So essentially you're getting the exact same finish. I mean he he gets tapped out again. So it's not like it built up 
you know, the angle for a different reason. All it's doing is further solidifying Del Rio as being superior to Christian. And I don't know why you need that at this point. Yeah, it really, I, I mean, I can't even think of a good excuse for it. I, I guess, you know, maybe they just don't, they couldn't think of a better opponent for Del Rio. You know, so I, they couldn't think of somebody that made sense. I uh, guess. I mean, maybe maybe Sin Cara was going to get another match. Maybe uh, maybe he taped up his finger and decided, yeah, oh, okay, that well, was I can odd, do that. And that was an odd situation from last draw. I mean, he basically quit his match, right? Yep. So yeah, he, maybe it was something. From, maybe it was a, a back, you know, a fallout from that. I guess, but uh, it just it just screams of lazy booking to me, and you know, I I just I hate it when they do that. Like I I, I hated it when they had uh, a few summers ago where they had Kofi Kingston against Dolph Ziggler fight, you know, seven times within the span of a month. They fought every single SmackDown. They fought on pay-per-views, and I think they even fought in a tag match on a couple of Raws. I mean, I hate that sort of thing, but at least they they came up with a creative way to have them fight each time. But this wasn't even creative. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess the only thing I can think of is like what we already said, and you know, we uh, we went back and forth a little over email about it. This Triple H interview we saw online. You know, and he, right. he, he said something that I've always long suspected is that, you know, they want to book things a certain way and then they can't do it because, you know, this guy doesn't want to do it. You know, this guy's sick. The, the, you know, this or that goes wrong and then they can't do what they wanted to do. So, I mean, that, that would be the only excuse I could think of on that one. Because you're right, it doesn't make any sense. I wouldn't have thought that they would ever have thought, well, this is a good idea. Let's, let's have the match again. Like they yeah. kind of yeah, got forced to somehow. Yeah, and I'm I'm not I'm not trying to uh, denigrate wrestlers or former wrestlers or people who are backstage in wrestling business. And yeah, okay, they they they've done a really great job building this into a billion dollar industry. But uh, I'm just thinking that uh, you know maybe there's a chance that the people who are booking, maybe the people who are writing, maybe should come up with contingencies plans so that we don't end up getting something. Uh, Boring, pointless, and and detracting from one of your uh, one of your higher profile competitors. I mean, they, they essentially buried Christian by doing this. Um, and you know, if it is because Sinkara twisted his ankle walking through the gorilla position, then uh, you know that's just it's just lazy on their part in terms of not having a contingency plan. Yeah, and potentially maybe they they get worried about the quality of the matches and they felt, you know, even though they could put Del Rio up against, say, Mark Henry or somebody, that the quality wouldn't be up to par with what he could do with Christian and they decided, you know, it was worth it to repeat the match just to have a good quality match that they can put on TV. Yeah, and and to that I would just say that, uh, you know, they, they have plenty of house shows every month. They have plenty of live shows every month that they can book out however they want. And if they're worried about, you know, match quality, which is probably a concern, then you have other guys who Del Rio can work with. And I, I do realize that Rey Mysterio is a guy he's worked with a lot, and Rey Mysterio is out. I know Sheamus is a guy he's worked with a lot, and Sheamus is out. Um, Sin Cara is a guy he's worked with. Sin Cara is out. 
So you have Christian, who we probably worked with, you know, probably a dozen times over the past two months. So yeah, it is a good option, but they need to start yeah. booking things, keeping in mind that they might need an opponent here or there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm sure they internally know that that was kind of a dumb thing to do, but oh well. Uh, luckily, you know, we can move past it. It's not going to really affect much going forward. Uh, looks like he's already set up with RVD. Um, yeah. So you said they, they did announce that on Raw? I guess I missed that. Yeah, so I think it was it was almost like a throwaway comment, and I you know that's probably part of the reason why everybody thinks that uh, World Heavyweight Championship is a mid card title at this point because that's kind of how WWE treats it, and this is just an example. I mean, I, I would say that uh, out of anybody you watch Raw, probably as close as as anybody that I know, you know, you certainly watch it just as closely as I do. This just happens to be a comment that I picked up on that you didn't pick up on. Yeah. And it was that uh, somebody, you know, one of the announcers indicated that, um, yeah, if Rob Van Dam were, was able to beat Del Rio in the match, that he would get uh, yeah. a match on the pay-per-view. And they announced it as a throwaway comment later in the show that, uh, yeah, okay, we've already got Rob Van Dam versus Del Rio set up for the pay-per-view as well. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I understand a lot of the frustration people have you know, how it's booked like a mid-card belt and you have your champions lose all the time. And, you know, ultimately what, what bothers me about the booking, the specific thing I don't care for is how they determine these matches or how they determine who's going to face Del Rio at the pay-per-view. You know, it, it shouldn't be somebody has to beat him to face him. That's just such an odd way to do it. Right. Um, I really wish he just faced, you know, RVD had faced uh, Cesaro or just somebody, you know, for a number one contender match. Yeah. And then gets it that way. Yeah, um, and, that's, and that's how it works in boxing or any other sport. I mean, it's just, it's odd that they decide to have the champion lose in order to set up matches. Yeah, and it's, it's increasingly frustrating because, you know, they could very easily have a match on, on a pay-per-view. I mean, if, if you want to pick Cesaro and Rob Van Dam... That's fine, or you know, Ziggler, Rob Van Dam, or Wade Barrett, Kane, Rob Van Dam. Yeah, Wade Barrett, Rob Van Dam. Put it on SummerSlam and say, "This is a big match. These guys don't care for each other, as what you've seen over the past month. But the other reason they're having this match is not just because they hate each other, but it's because the winner gets a title shot. And that's that's I think one of the ways that you make the titles, you know." worth more is you make it worth something to get the shot. Yeah. I mean, but we've we've seen shows where, you know, a guy wins a title shot, you know, one week and then he gets the title shot the next week. It's not even a pay per view match that he wins. Yeah. He doesn't even get the right to face the champion on a pay per view. Yep. And I mean, for me, ideally I'd like to see Del Rio come out and just cut a promo. I mean he doesn't have to wrestle every show. Right. You know, he's the champ. He shouldn't have to wrestle every time. He should be yep. able to cut a promo after the number one contender match and, you know, explain how this is all meaningless, you know, whatever. Cut a promo, prop himself up, make himself look harder to beat, you know, harder, like less attainable than it currently looks. You know, he looks very beatable because he gets beat a lot. Yep. So. I mean, have him call out Kofi Kingston. 
have them trade words a little bit, have him try and knock out Kofi Kingston, have Kofi Kingston run him off, then the next week have an encounter, have Del Rio pretend to sheepishly back away from Kofi Kingston, and then have him attack Kofi, quote-unquote, hurt his arm, mm-hmm. and then Kofi Kingston's out for four weeks, you know, not because uh, that he's actually injured, but because, you know, it's part of the storyline. Then, boom, you have a guy who right after this upcoming pay-per-view is at odds with Alberto Del Rio. I mean, that's... Yeah. I mean, I don't know why they can't do something like that. And it's, I don't know that it's wasting Kofi Kingston because Kofi Kingston's not on the show anyway. Yep. And we could go on forever uh, about these frustrations. I, I think, I think there's a possibility that some of this is related to switching to the three-hour. Uh, I mean, obviously they don't no longer have the branding, so that has a lot to do with how the belt is treated now. Sure. But um. You know, the three-hour Raw, and then, you know, SmackDown has kind of started to take on a different trend where it's just focused on having long matches and not really advancing storylines, even though they do talk about them. Uh, And so I just wonder if maybe eventually, much in the way that we saw Raw become three hours, they're going to tweak SmackDown somehow, uh, and that they're maybe lowering our expectations for it ahead of that or something. I don't know. But we could speculate all day. Right. Um, I'd like to move on to the AJ Lee pipe bomb. They called it a hashtag pipe bomb shell. Yeah. WWE.com. So I, I, pers- I personally didn't tweet out uh, pipe bomb shell. Did you t- Did you tweet out pipe bomb shell? No, no, did not. Um, so yeah, you know, Bree defeats Natalia. They got all the total diva girls out there. They even made JoJo the ring announcer. Right. So anyway, uh, I guess she's still employed. Now, AJ comes out and she kind of makes fun of them. She does some OMGs, talks about all the drama um, on the show and says, you know, all she sees in that ring are cheap, interchangeable, dispensable, useless women. Um, weren't gifted enough to be become actresses or champions, have to turn to reality TV, stiff plastic mannequins. So she really drops a lot of uh, haymakers on them. Now, I don't know if you noticed. I mean, I don't know how you couldn't, but the Bella Twins could not shut up during it. Right. I mean, it was just unbelievable. I've never heard someone cut a promo and get talked over by someone without a mic. Right. I mean, it was just insane. They wouldn't shut up. You know, you think maybe they say one thing, but it went on. Like, her entire promo, they wouldn't shut up. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's that's what happens when uh, when one of them is dating John Cena and the other one is dating Daniel Bryan, you know, the two top guys in the company in terms of faces on Raw that aren't named CM Punk. Um, you know, I, I, I suppose there's a, a sense of entitlement there. And, uh, you know, they, are, they already seem a bit like a tension horse. Yeah. So it's kind of... You know, put the two things together, and yeah, I'm not surprised that they weren't talking over here, that they were talking over uh, AJ and trying to well, and the last it, word. And it had to be something that WWE was okay with, because they have control of all those mics. They could have, you know, they could have made sure they weren't getting picked up. Yeah. Uh, but they left it there, you know. So maybe, 
you know, they want you to think about it as a cat fight or something. But, you know, in my in my eyes, he really stepped over what potentially was one of the best women's promos we've ever heard. Um, you know, she talks about how she gave her life to the business. Uh, they were handed their 15 minutes of fame, and they sucked their way up to, or, <laughs> or sucked up to the right people, I think she said. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she closes out by saying that she broke through the glass ceiling for them, and they're just going to waltz on through, and that they can't lace her Chuck Taylors. Yeah, I, I like that last little line about her Chucks, because definitely her signature move, and uh, uh, no, that was good. Um and she's a geek goddess. I mean, let's face it. With the Chuck Taylors, yeah. she comes out dressed as Harley Quinn. Right. Um, you know, she's obviously cute as shit, and she can wrestle. Um, so, I mean, men are just falling all over themselves for this chick. Right. And I, I don't know that I'd go so far as to say it's the best promo that we've heard from a woman of all time. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but... The point's well taken that it was it was a great promo and and it certainly uh, I don't know it it I felt like they they kind of had two worlds going on they had what uh, AJ and Caitlin and uh, Layla were doing and then they had the total diva stuff mm-hmm. and to me it always seemed weird to have those two worlds kind of just separate um, because you have a show about the divas, and yet the two, you know, highest-profile divas in the company aren't on the show. <laughs> so, yeah. so it, it did feel kind of weird that that they weren't involved with with that sort of stuff before. So I, I like what they did in uh, trying to bring it all together. Um, yeah. I mean, did, did you ever find it strange that? Uh, that AJ and Caitlin weren't involved. Yeah, I mean, I th- I figured, you know, you had to have people actually wrestling, um, even during the show being filmed. Uh, so it, you know, it wasn't odd to me that they weren't on it. I mean, I certainly would have liked to have seen them because I find both of them to be exceedingly attractive. Right. Um, and it's been picked up for another season. So I mean, I'm, I think it's probably not out of the question that they end up on it next yeah. year. Um. But yeah, it was it was definitely kind of like the elephant in the room in some ways where people were wondering, you know, if they're ever going to acknowledge that these couple of divas that are actually doing a lot of work aren't on the show or not even mentioned. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was good that they did that. Um, the other uh, women's promo that comes to mind that I had come across, and this was during a time when I wasn't watching as much, uh, I guess Lita's retirement, you recall that? Lita's re- retirement? Yeah, it was at the Survivor Series, Ooh. 2006. Um, I remember. I remember why she retired. Um, I don't remember a, a promo specifically. Um, it was right but, after her match. Um, she lost to Mickey James. Okay. And uh, she just goes on a rant about. Uh, uh, you'd a, have you'd have to listen to it, but anyway, she goes on a pretty good rant. It's a couple minutes long. Was it like an angry rant or like a crying rant or uh, out? What was what was kind of the tone of it? It was kind of angry and saying that she made her mark and blah blah blah. Okay. All right. I don't so know. You'd have to look it up. If you don't remember it. That's fine. But that was the only other one that came to mind. Um, 
I don't know that Trish ever gave any big ones. I mean, I know she's <laughs> routinely regarded as one of the top women's wrestlers ever, but I yeah, just she don't recall in, her giving any promos. Yeah, she was in some entertainment, entertaining segments, but uh, the the only the only big ones she ever gave were, uh, yeah. I think, I think you follow me there. Um, yeah, right, right. Yeah. All right. But, but yeah, so anyway, that was nice to see. Um, you know, I think the along with how they're slowly but surely improving things like the tag division, they seem to be slowly improving the Divas as well. Um, and AJ certainly, in my mind, um, has a chance to go down as one of the best ever if she keeps that up. She's got a lot of depth. She can do good stuff in the ring. So, yeah, I, th- I think it'll take a little while, and I think she needs to get out of the crazy AJ thing. But uh, she was starting to get some fans, though. If you heard during the uh, during the speech there, yeah, people were buying into it. Yeah, yeah, but in terms of best of all time, um, it's, well, it's, it's I'm not saying today. I'm saying I mean the girl's 25 years old or whatever. She's still got yeah. several years ahead of her. Yeah. So. No, but if 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 she uh, somehow for the next decade can keep some keep some stuff up, yeah, I think I can see that. I mean, there's a clear difference between someone that does it because they can, you know, they were previously in fitness modeling or whatever, and someone that does it because they want to, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's what the Daniel Bryan mold is. He always wanted to do it. Same thing with her. Yeah, no, that's um, a point, it's a point well taken, and uh, you know, Johnny, it almost it almost sounds like you're uh, taking a little bit of a rip at uh, Brock Lesnar's wife, uh, Sable, yeah. uh, or Tori Wilson. You know, some of those some of those ladies, and I know that uh, I know you probably wouldn't want to do that because I know back in the day you were a big fan. You know what, Sable never really did it that much for me. I mean, obviously really? she's attractive, but yeah. definitely definitely on the side of Tori Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we no, should make I, a list sometime. No. Yeah, I'm sure there's a list <laughs> somewhere on uh, on my website already. But uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I uh, it's a point well taken. She's certainly a gamer girl, a uh, geek chick. Uh, you know, but she's got that, depth to her, you know. Like like I said, yeah. I mean, so many of them, they just kind of roll with what they're given. She's tried to develop a real character. She in that backstage segment I sent you a while ago actually attempted to do something with it instead of just mail it in like Dolph Ziggler did, you know, things like that I think are impressive to me that she puts everything into it, so. Yeah, and I, and I just want to say this for anybody who's listening and is anticipating a, uh, a show between John and I, Guys Nation Wrestling Podcast, where we talk about uh, best all-time divas. In preparation for that, I want everyone to start watching uh, promos and matches for Maurice. Because I can tell you right now, she's going to be near the top of my list, and I don't want to hear anybody, you know, calling BS on on that because they think that she was just hot and now she's gone. Well, Watch now you what? just you know you just ruin the big reveal if we have a list. I well I I can't say how far up the list she's going to be because I don't know that she's going to be my number one. But I want people to watch what she does and how she does it. And a month from now, when we do this list. I want people to, to understand where I'm coming from when I put her on the list where I put her. And you know who's pinning her nowadays, right? Oh, is it still the Miz? Uh, I believe they're married. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. 
So, all right, that's enough divas for one show. Let's move on to something else that I think you're fairly passionate about. Mr. Ryback. Oh, Lord. Yep. Keeps keeps bullying everyone. Uh, I don't remember specifically. What did he do on SmackDown? I know he did another one. On SmackDown? What Was that the one where he made the guy open up his bag and he... In the shower? In the water on you. Yeah, that might have been, been SmackDown, but either way, we haven't talked about that one yet. Yeah. Plus, uh, okay, so this week he just grabs Josh Matthews. Oh, no, you know what? I think this past SmackDown was uh, the guy came up for the autograph. And oh, didn't yeah, know, yeah. Didn't know his name, even though it's written on his jacket. Right, right, and ripped it up. Yeah. Yeah. So he's bullying everyone. Yeah. Um, not very good at it either. Usually bullies are funny. But, um... Yeah. So it's very awkward. Uh, at least this time, nobody's in a position to get hurt, which I know is the big uh, frustration for you on the first few that he did. Yeah, I I, I definitely didn't like it when, uh, when he was just powerbombing people through tables and throwing people over tables. Because legitimately, he could have he could have really injured that one dude that he threw backwards over a table, and he was probably like a few inches away from breaking his neck. And I'm I'm sure it's not just some Joe schmo. They didn't just say, "Hey, production guy, you're going to be involved in this." It's some guy that knows how to take bumps. But mm-hmm. I swear to God, it looked like that guy was going to break his neck. But uh, yeah, they've they've taken away from that, and so that's a good thing. But I I still don't like the angle. Yeah, I think I think they need to get him in the ring or get him moving towards somebody who has a pulse, not just Josh Matthews. How, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, I got a couple ideas. Um, so I I happen to be perusing the archives online of many years of wrestling on YouTube, uh, and I was looking at some of Brock Lesnar's stuff. If you recall. Uh, he had a situation where he was borderline torturing a man with one leg. Oh, Zach Gowan. Zach Gowan. Oh, wow. Yeah, who I guess I, I couldn't get through the whole... You know, it's hard to figure out where all the storylines go because you don't know which episodes to look at. Right. But um, I seem to recall they eventually had a match. Did they? Um, you're taking it way back... And I don't remember if they had a match. Well, regardless, the point yeah. is, I wonder if somebody that he bullies eventually gets in the ring with him, you know, and then he gets some comeuppance, like, you know, one, two, three kid over Razor Ramon or potentially Zach Allen over Rock Lesnar. So, so you're not you're not talking about... Uh, well, it's just one option. This is one thing I'm throwing out there. Yeah, so so I guess what you're saying is, you're, you're not saying somebody like... Uh, um, Someone like the Miz stands up to him, or Mark Henry stands up to him. You're, you're. Saying I'm going to get at that, but I'm saying one option would be right, these right. guys that he's bullying backstage. Do you? Somebody, I mean, do you see that something like that happening? Where, you know, because the chances are these guys are trainees in, in some way. Yeah. Um, um, no, that's 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 real interesting. I don't. It'd be real interesting to look through the list of guys that are currently in NXT, and. Uh, kind of see if there's anybody that might fit that mold. Um, it's certainly been a little while since they did a man off the street um, becomes a superstar. I think one good option for that when you talk about NXT, um, the man who used to be called El Generico. Okay. 
is now in NXT as Sami Zayn. Okay, interesting. Um, he is rather short of stature, I believe. Okay. Or at least not intimidating in any way. Right. He's he's kind of uh, tall and 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 I don't want to say he's skinny because you know obviously he's a wrestler, so he's kind of built. Yeah. But he's more of a luchador style. Sure. Um, Dak could match up well with Ryback as somebody that could get the uh, upset win over him. If he potentially picks on him backstage, he stands up to him and challenges him to a match, you know, whatever. Yeah, so so uh, Wikipedia is saying that El Generico, Sami Zayn, is 5'11", 196, which puts him slightly on the short side and uh, slightly on the light side for being an NFL running back. And at the age of 29, he needs to hit his stride soon. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, he apparently he, had a really great uh, two out of threes with Cesaro on, a, on NXT a couple episodes ago that we both are, probably should have watched by now. So. Okay. He, um, I've seen him wrestle live a few times with Ring of Honor. Hmm. And he's, he's certainly entertaining, um, good in the ring. So I'd really like to see that. And he's, he's about 100 pounds lighter than... Ryback and four inches shorter, which would definitely make uh, make for a good juxtaposition there. Yeah. Well, if we happen to be right, we're, we're the first one to suggest it. Nice. Good I job, have another. Tommy. I have another more plausible option, though. Okay. Although I don't know how it's going to play out because we've already talked about these guys. All right. Well, you're going to um, kill. You're going to kill my buzz for El Generico, but let's hear it. That's <laughs> all right. That's um, all right. So. You know, we've already talked about them. They're kind of involved in something else already. But I wonder, you got the whole B.A. star, Ryback's bullying. What if Darren Young stands up to him? Oof. Uh, that could be interesting. Uh, what if he guess... eventually picks on someone who appears to be gay and then Darren Young steps in? Interesting. Um, you know, I'm almost wondering if, if WWE would even... We even let it go to that point where they kind of paint Ryback to be a guy who picks on gay people. Um, well, he would have picked on everyone. Yeah. At that point. <laughs> yeah, but kind of, I, I don't know. Not um, necessarily because he's gay. Not that he's going to be calling him the F word and all that, but just right. just picking on a guy that looks effeminate. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. And not necessarily saying that he's gay or anything, but just picking on him. And you yeah, can see, like, Darren Young walking by, just happens to be walking by because it's the locker room area. Or or you could make it that uh, the guy's backstage and Ryback is like, what the hell are you doing back here? You know, why are you here? I, I don't know who you are. I've never seen you before. You should get the hell out of my locker room. And the guy's like, well, I'm, I'm a guest. I'm a guest of someone, you know, and, and it's like, I'm, I'm allowed to be here. I'm, I'm sorry I was in your way. And Ryback just won't let it go. And it turns out he was the guest of Darren Young. And, you know, then Darren Young uh, gets the opportunity to stand up for him. And, you know, you don't have to have any implications on whether or not the guy was was there because that's Darren Young's brother or cousin or friend from high school or yeah. friend that he met online or, you know, friend that he met at a club. You don't have to go into any of that. Um, yeah, I but, mean, I think it could be a useful storyline simply because, um, you know, with someone coming out and all that, usually bullying is probably something they might have dealt with before. Yeah. Um, so you could see him having motivation to go after Ryback. Sure. Um, which is something you don't necessarily have with anyone else 
you know, you'd have to kind of concoct a story for that. Yeah, and, and um, so can, he's a little more natural as as far as someone that would stand up to him. Yeah, and you can you can always hint around at the reasons why Darren Young might have been bullied in you know a variety of dis- different situations. You don't, and it it doesn't have to be that the bullying would have anything to do with Darren Young being you know homosexual. But you don't have to you don't have to draw the line and you know demark. That uh, you know, Darren Young faced bullying growing up, and so he hates bullies. You don't have to say why he was bullied. You know, people get bullied for all different reasons. Sure. Um, so no, I, I like that. And then if you leave it uh, ambiguous as to why he was bullied, then uh, you know it, it it kind of serves all purposes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, and the only problem is that it would pull him away from the tag team situation. So we may not want to see that, but. This is something that came to my mind as someone that might stand up to him. I, I couldn't really think of anyone else that would have motivation at the moment. No, that's I mean, good. Josh Matthews, I guess. You know, if they ever wanted to get him back in the ring, but yeah, doubtful. But yeah, yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying. No, I, I, um, it, I, it's, I'm not really clear on how uh, Darren Young would would look uh, standing next to um, Ryback, just because of uh, Darren Young's not a, a small guy. But I guess uh, he's about 50 pounds lighter and two inches shorter. So. And he could do his finisher on right back. You know, he does the fireman carry or whatever and then flips him over for the knees. Yep. Yeah. Um, so he could pull that off on him. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. All right. Uh, we wanted to squeeze in a few more topics before we get to the end here. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, I think you almost have to go just to make sure we cover it. Uh how do you feel about that Bray Wyatt? Yeah, I was going to mention that. Uh, he does a pre-recorded, I guess, WWE.com exclusive that they went ahead and showed on Raw. Usually they don't do that, but um, they went ahead and showed it, talking about Sister Ab- Abigail. Um, now, he talks about how uh, she led us and the fire's our friend. Um Rattlesnake skin, the same color as the leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know about you, but it's definitely one of the creepier promos I've seen in uh, in a good while. Um, yeah. Her touch could save the world, but her kiss burns it to the ground. Yeah, and apparently his finisher is called Sister Abigail, and so he does a kiss, you know, as he's setting it up. Yeah. Um. So you know, it's part of the reference there, but uh. He said he was there when she died, and she said that you're the one. Um, so, I don't know. He's, I guess he's implying that, you know, his uh, whether it's his real sister or the previous leader of whatever this cult is, um, basically told him he's the one to lead them. Yeah. I think is the ultimate of, of what this is, and that's his motivation. They, they chose you before you were in existence, is one of the things he said. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I really like the vibe. Um, I like, uh, you know, I was a huge fan of Raven. We've had a couple of conversations about that, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I, I think I flooded your inbox with over a dozen uh, promos that he did back in the day, both in the ring and pre-recorded. Yep. I love the vibe that uh, that the Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family is getting in terms of being, you know, along the same lines as as what Raven did back in the day. I love it. Um, I don't know that 
Raven ever got this creepy, um, and I don't ever I don't know that uh, the Raven stuff in WCW at least was ever this focused. Um, just probably a, a knock on you know WCW's ability to to actually push the talent they should have been. Yeah, I mean, and I watched most of what you sent, um, and there's no question that Raven himself was excellent. Uh, yeah. His delivery, you know, a lot of the content was really good. But yeah, I think when you say focused, uh, it, it, they were like a little too long in some ways. Yeah. And you and you kind of yeah you you would get a little worn out trying to listen to it. Yeah, and, um, and that's that's because by all accounts, uh, WCW back in the day would just say, okay, you want to you want to cut a promo? Yeah, okay, you've got three minutes. Record whatever you want, and you know if if our standards people say you know you didn't swear in it, they'll put it on the air. They mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't really seem to uh, be investing in guys like Raven back in the day, and uh, I feel like if they had been, they could have uh, really taken off, kind of like what Bray Wyatt's kind of getting. Yeah. So were you at all disappointed that we didn't hear about Kane, or is that okay given the? Uh, well, I'm still a little frustrated about it. I have heard that. Uh, you know, Kane is probably, you know, from a from a kayfabe standpoint, is probably taking off some time to to record uh, See No Evil 2. I'm not sure why we need that movie at this point, but uh, I guess yeah. if they want him to be in that. But, you know, I still feel like they should do more with, uh, you know, giving us the idea that Kane is missing, and it's because of the Wyatt family. You know, they need to play that up more. Yeah. But uh, but the I don't know it really bothered me coming out of that promo, that great Sister Abigail promo. What does Michael Cole say? He says I don't know what to make of that. Nonetheless, moving on. <laughs> no speculation about Kane. No asking his fellow commentators what is this Sister Abigail thing? You know what you know. How creepy is this dude? Like, like, let me not find that guy backstage. Let me get a, get the hell out of his way. Yeah. Like, make some kind of comment, right? Yeah, yeah. He doesn't sell much, and uh, to me, just ultimately, he doesn't seem prepared a lot of the times. Yeah. I mean, this is another thing we could go on a half-hour tangent about, but I'll just quickly say that, you know, it's clear he doesn't know the names of most moves or doesn't care to know. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't sell a product with, with situations like that. And yeah, he ultimately seems like he just didn't even know the video was going to be on. Like he just didn't prepare for it. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely frustrating. It's particularly when we recall Jim Ross. So, so recently and how amazing he was. Yeah. But yeah, whatever. There's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. All right. So finally, two guys that are passionate and do prepare. <laughs> we need to talk about. Uh, we're running over a little bit, but let's let's squeeze in some talk about them. Uh, Paul Heyman and CM Punk. Uh, Punk gets. Uh, uh, they do a WWE Universe poll, right? And the stipulation ends up being that if he if Punk defeats Curtis Axel that uh, he'll get a match with Paul Heyman. And, you know, they do a nice little backstage thing where Heyman's all concerned, and then Axel's like, 
come on, don't you believe in me? And and Heyman's kind of like, yeah, with all of my, or with my life or something like that. Right. Um, so anyway, you get a you get a pretty good match between them. It was at least a good ten minutes, I thought. Um, you end up with uh, did Punk Punk made him tap? Was it? Um, totally forgot the end of that. I think I think he hit the go to sleep. Yeah. I think I think he was trying to make him tap at one point, and I don't. Yeah, think yeah, it he hit happened. the golden. Yeah, okay. Um, Axel blocked the GTS, uh, and then you get him. You got him a second time. Yeah. So anyway, whatever. He starts going after Heyman. Uh, the security brings him back down, right? Yeah. And then he's like. You know, and Heyman's doing some good work where he's like, oh, Brock set me up. It was his idea. Right, right, right. Um, and so Punk gets him into the ring. Axel goes for the low blow. And we end up with uh, Punk being handcuffed and beaten to death with the uh, kendo stick. Yeah, he took he, he took some, some pretty bad shots on his back. And then uh, I got to tell you, I cringed a little bit when they backed Punk up to the ropes and had... Axel outside the ropes, and I was holding him there, and he was just taking those kendo stick shots to the gut. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, I can't even imagine. Yeah, it was pretty brutal, and uh, you know, I think there's some good stuff going on here with, especially from Heyman's end. You know, he's like saying, "I loved you," and all this. I'm doing this because I love you, and blah blah whatever. Yeah, his uh, eyes were bloodshot red. I mean, when he did that promo backstage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just. Like Heyman is selling it as if like, you know, it it upset him to have to do that, but he did it, you know, for his own good, whatever. Yeah. So I'm a little concerned though overall because as I was doing the show prep, for whatever reason, this whole segment I just didn't take that many notes. I wasn't feeling that excited about talking about it. I'm trying to figure out why, and I guess my question to you is where does this end? Like, where are we going? You know, I think with some of the other feuds, you know that, you know, eventually Daniel Bryan is going to get another shot at the belt. You know, there's some sort of end goal in sight. You see where it's going. But with this, it's like two former best friends, they can't necessarily wrestle each other. They just set up a handicap match. Um, it's essentially just like Punk getting beat up or than him beating up Axel. I mean, what's the end game? Where do we, uh, how does this eventually end? I mean, how can they not have animosity at the end of this? Do they just decide to stop fighting each other? I feel like at the end of this, you have to have CM Punk take the WWE Championship off of Brock Lesnar and hold it over his head with um, Paul Heyman laying on the mat beneath him. I think that's at, that, at this point that's pretty much the only thing you can do because even if uh, Punk beats down Paul Heyman, doesn't he then have to deal with Brock Lesnar again at that point? Yeah, I mean, and but you know, but you know, Royal Rumble maybe the build for WrestleMania. I don't, uh, I don't know. So. Yeah, I guess, and that's ultimately what I'm worried about here is I just don't know where they're going to go with it. 
Um, I guess I guess if he just beats the crap out of both of them at Night of Champions, you could do it that way. Uh, maybe Paul Heyman goes off TV for a bit. But yeah, but but at th- but at that point, where does CM Punk go from here? I mean, he goes back to the main event, right? I mean, he's yeah. He's I mean, if, that... if if Daniel Bryan loses his rematch, somebody's gonna have to face Randy Orton, right? Yeah, Randall K. Orton. I mean, who has Randall Keith Orton? Who who has uh, who has more heat with Randy Orton than CM Punk, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and if they're gonna draw Triple H. If they're gonna draw Daniel Bryan, you know, his eventual revenge, you know, to, to reclaim the belt, I I think most of us agree it's not gonna happen in Night of Champions. Um so the, Orton's gonna end up having to have another opponent at some point. Right. And uh yeah, Punk makes a lot of sense, so maybe that's where where he goes after this. So what a difference a month or two makes, right? Because if you would have told me a month ago that uh, we wouldn't be looking forward to talking about something that CM Punk was doing, how awkward would that feel, right? <laughs> yeah. So maybe the reason why we're trying to fit it in here at the end of the show, maybe the reason why it's it's not topic number one, topic number two, and topic number three is because not only is Punk you know, the guy who set a record for, you know, how long he held a championship. I mean, he held it more than a calendar year. Maybe it's because it looks like he's going to be in the Intercontinental title picture, right? Well, no, they set up a handicap match for Night of Champions, so he's not getting a title shot. Yeah, and it's, well, it's it's elimination style. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I figured the belt wasn't going to be on the line, but... But it very well might it not be. It very well might not be, but... I mean, you're potentially going to have a situation where um, he could very rightfully be uh, Intercontinental Champion. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying they're going to put the title belt yeah. on the line that they're going to hand it over to him. But if he beats the Intercontinental Champion on a pay-per-view called Night of Champions, I mean, it, just, I, it definitely I just feels don't like see a step back. I just don't see it happening. I, I think they made it a handicap match specifically to make it so that he's not going after the belt. Right. That's just the so, vibe I got from that. No, and and, and that's fair enough. Um, do you think you'd feel differently about, you know, this situation if um, Curtis Axel had lost the Intercontinental Championship um, at SummerSlam? Um, no, like, I mean the belt really doesn't bother me at all when it comes to this feud. Like that has nothing to do with the way I see it. Okay, because I think for some people it it probably might. Just that it, it feels like a big step back for uh, CM Punk. Yeah, I mean, I certainly understand that concern. Um, you know, I, I think for me, it's just it's too much between these guys. They they went back and forth for so long about Brock Lesnar, um, and now they're doing more of it. And you contrast it with the fresh angle we're seeing with Daniel Bryan and, and Triple H. It just pales because they've set us up with this main angle that's going on right now in a situation where we're finally rooting for the face. You know, we're finally like all in and we hate the heel. And, you know, so it's just, it's, it's intriguing to see the back and forth, but with Paul Heyman as the, as the heel in this situation, I mean, we still like him. 
and so and we still respect what he does, and so you're just not getting that that traditional feel of pulling for the face and booing the heel. And I think they've kind of, you know, they've overdone it a bit. They they've gone back and forth for over two months. Yeah, they're they're definitely kind of beating a dead horse with uh, with this. But you know, going back to your original point on this, how do you end it? Where does it end for Punk? Where does it end for Heyman? I think what we said uh, a few minutes ago. I think it just I think he just has to go over them at Night of Champions, and that'll be it. Like it's just got to be dropped. You know, maybe Paul Heyman says, you know, he no longer wants to represent Axel because he couldn't protect him or something like that, and then he's just, they get separated, so Axel can move on. Um, and then Heyman, I, I I would guess he needs to be off TV for a bit unless he decides to pick up somebody else and then, you know, just returns with Brock Lesnar when he's ready. Yeah, I would I would leave Heyman with Curtis Axel, and I would leave them... On TV, I wouldn't take them off TV. Um, I wouldn't split them up, but I would just have I would have CM Punk just totally get the better of them. And uh, yeah, I think he has to because he's he's taking so many losses. He has to be he has to come out on top. He can't lose to friggin' Paul Heyman and Curtis Axel at a pay per view. Yeah, that'd be just ridiculous. All right, so we went over for sure, but we covered everything. Um, if anybody has any feedback. The email is wrestlingatguysnation.com. Any questions you want us to talk about? Maybe, maybe we broached the subject that you're interested in. We didn't cover all of it. Um, definitely bring it up to us. We'd love to, to make that happen for you. Also, the Facebook page, Guys Nation Wrestling. Yep, and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people that are interested in what we have going on there. We get you know a fair number of people liking the page, you know new people liking the page every week. We get people hitting like on some of the conversations we have, but uh, you know certainly interacting more there um, would be great. Yeah, absolutely. We'll keep the train rolling, and uh, that's it for this week. We'll catch you next week. Have a good one.